Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Shelf Care Interview, an occasional conversation series where Booklist talks to book people. This Shelf Care Interview is sponsored by Boom Studios. I am Ronnie Curry, Associate Editor, Books for Youth, and today I'm talking to authors Saba Tahir and Nicole Andelfinger, as well as artist Sonia Lau, three of the creators behind the forthcoming graphic novel A Thief Among the Trees, which is a prequel to Saba's best-selling An Ember in the Ashes series. Thank you all for being here. Thank you for having us. Saba, can you kick things off by introducing us to A Thief Among the Trees and telling us how it fits into the Ember universe? So A Thief Among the Trees is a graphic novel that takes place about seven years before the events of An Ember in the Ashes. It focuses in on a couple of characters, Helene Aquila and Elias Vitorius, and then their crew. At this point in their careers, they are fivers with Blackcliff Academy, meaning that they are sent out into the greater empire where the story takes place and sort of thrown out with nothing and told survive. So that's what they're doing right now. They get missions. And this story, A Thief Among the Trees, is a mission that they are sent on to procure some poison for the empire from a sort of notoriously deadly island. So Seba, I know you're someone who cares deeply about her characters and you've spent a lot of time developing this world and investing yourself in it. So how does it feel to kind of open it up to other collaborators? At first, it was definitely strange. I'm really possessive of my characters and my world. You know, whenever I work with like talk to beta readers or, you know, whatever, if anyone ever suggests an idea, I... If it's a very complete idea, you know, where they're like, well, why don't you do this in the plot? I almost never use it because I feel like I have to have ownership, a sense of ownership over my own creation. So I like everything to come from me. So at first it was definitely difficult, but very, very, very quickly (laughs) it became apparent that um, Nicole and Sonia and the broader team at Boom Studios, that everyone was really, really great at collaboration, that they understood that you know, these were, were my babies and that I, I definitely saw them in a certain way. And, and they added their own kind of spirit and soul to the story, which just enriched it. So it was actually really wonderful. And I do love collaboration in general. And it gave me a lot of hope for, you know, working on other collaborative type stories within the Amber universe, because I was like, this was just so much fun. And Nicole, can you pick up there and talk about your collaboration with Seba and how the script was shaped? Yeah, course. There's always this nervousness you get when you are working with somebody who has such an amazing, rich universe because you always want to keep true to those characters and not overstep, but also help them give such vibrancy to what's on paper into comic form. And so it's working with Saba. It was wonderful getting an outline and then basically helping craft all of these ideas into an actuality, into a script. And of course, I always say with comics, The script is always well and good, but there's just such a magic to being able to collaborate and then send it off to somebody who's going to put that into beautiful pictures. And that's when it really just starts getting real. And that's a perfect segue to Sonia. And so Sonia, in this book, you're working with characters, Elias, Helene, um, that a lot of readers already know and have really strong feelings about, I imagine. So what was your process just for kind of bringing them to life visually? 
did you have any sources you could draw on or was there anything particularly challenging? Well, yeah, it's obviously very challenging when you're dealing with characters that people love. But thankfully, the people at Boom and Saba were actually really great at providing just character descriptions and basically everything I need to know about what the characters look like, what the characters acted like. You know, these details really help when I'm sitting down and drawing like potential character designs for everyone. Yeah, and I imagine making them so much younger must have been an interesting challenge in itself. Oh yeah, at first I <laughs> I actually drew them in their older forms at first before they told me that actually no, this is a prequel, they're actually younger. So I had to go back in and draw them as kids. But yeah, I mean, for visual reference, I did look at the covers that were published, for, you know, on the, the Ember covers. And then I think I also got a picture of some armor that people were wearing. So, you know, I wasn't starting exactly from scratch, which was good. But, you know, when I first started drawing, I always make sure to draw a lot of sketches, just as, as much as possible, basically try to cast a wide net, you know, and then setting it off and hoping at least one of them will look somewhat like what people want. And then after we kind of pinpoint that down, then, you know, working off that. So, yeah, it wasn't as difficult as I thought it would be because of all the support and extra information. Could you speak more generally about some of your artistic influences or, or inspirations? So I have a lot of influences in my art. My parents are from Taiwan. So, you know, growing up, I watched a lot of what people nowadays call anime. But, you know, in Asia, it's just cartoons, like children's cartoons. Grew up reading a lot of manga, Fumi Yoshinaga. Everyone else in my generation watched Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh, all that stuff. But I also read a lot of books from my local library. You know, I was kind of introvert, so... I basically just spent all my time, all my free time reading young adult books and graphic novels. I think the ones that stand out were Strangers in Paradise by Terry Moore and a couple of books by Faith Aaron Hicks. But when I got to college, I started reading more Marvel and DC comics. I think before I was kind of intimidated because there's just so much dialogue. But I discovered it was it's pretty fun and it's very different from what I grew up with. And I think like the more I expand my just like what I read and what I understand, just the more I can draw from my own art. So I think artistically, my stuff still draws a lot more from my you know Eastern heritage. But writing-wise and like the way I structure stuff, I, I do think the Marvel DC comics tend to condense the story a lot more. Like each issue is usually around like 24 pages, while like Japanese comics tend to be like 45 pages each chapter. Mm. So I think that's definitely influenced me a lot so like the comics I draw for fun and kind of sell on my own time tend to follow more of that you know that superhero flair just because I I find that interesting also I I I can draw less (laughs) 25 (laughs) instead of 45 (laughs) right oh that's important and it's great to hear that that libraries were, were a part of your journey to being an artist um Nicole when you're not writing what kind of stuff do you read Actually a funny story. I used to have a three hour commute into work. And so I used to use the library's Hoopla app for like a good solid hour. Sorry, a good solid year and a half. I was actually not really reading as much. I was more listening to audiobooks. But I've just now I have a shorter commute and loved reading what is it, Gentleman's Guide to Vice and Virtue by Mackenzie Lee so much I went back and read it in physical form. But I read a lot of YA when Boom came to me saying, hey, do you want to work with Saba on Ember in the Ashes? I was like, I mean, you pretty much just reached into my soul right now and said, hey, do you want to work in 
YA fiction. And I was like, well, yes, I absolutely do. So I read a lot of that. A lot of the comics I read are also kind of geared in that vein. I love superheroes, but I also love pretty much anything Rick Riordan writes. Yehudi Mercado writes Saifu and Hero Hotel, which are a little bit more like on the younger side of YA. But I've been loving those right now. Of course, Boom just has this huge collection of just about any genre you could ever love. And Ghosted in L.A. by Cena Grace right now is probably one of my favorites. So I read a lot. And then eventually someday I'll catch up on One Punch Man. Okay, and so we'll go back to Saba. As you may know, we're a library-centric podcast, and we've already heard a lot of library love. Can you talk about how libraries have played a role in your reading um, and writing life? Yeah, libraries were my safe place. Like when I was in seventh grade, I still remember very clearly that I like the lunch hour was such a sort of a difficult time for me because I didn't really have any friends I was very close to. The friends I'd had from elementary school had kind of drifted off to newer, different groups of friends, and I just found myself alone a lot. So I went to the library every day for months. And I don't remember the name of the librarian. I actually don't even remember what she really looks like because it was so long ago. But I do remember she was this very calm presence and she would always have a book for me. And she wouldn't, she was like me, like she was an introvert. So she wouldn't really talk. She would just kind of like have a book around that she knew I would like and I would pick it up and and go and sit in the corner and read. And it's really when my reading started kind of rocket shipped my reading, I guess you could say. Like I started just reading way more, consuming way more, you know, reading all sorts of things from, you know, fantasy to, you know, contempt to history. And, you know, if it never have happened, if not for her. And then strangely in my adult writing life, I found myself returning to the library when I was working on A Torch Against the Night, which is the second book in the Ember series. I didn't, act, and even when I was working on Ember too, I didn't, have a dedicated home office because I live in the Bay Area and everyone has like these tiny little postage stamp houses Mm -hmm. (laughs) or apartments. And so my place was really small. And so I kind of, you know, my kids would go either to school or, you know, preschool or whatever. And then I would leave and and work. And I could like, sometimes it'd be a coffee shop. Sometimes it would be, you know, the park, but I always found myself going back to the local library because it was quiet. They had great internet and no one would bother me. And I was trying to buy books. So it was a reminder of why I was doing what I was doing. So libraries have been huge in just creating me both as a young, you know, lover of books and also in allowing me to have the space and the quiet to, to work on these ones. That's beautiful. That's that's like a picture perfect. I love libraries <laughs> story. That's great to hear. Thank you all so much for chatting with me. Thank you for having us. It was really nice. Thank you everyone else for listening to the Shelf Care interview. This Shelf Care interview was sponsored by Boom Studios, the publisher of A Thief Among the Trees, which will be available this July. Until next time, stay safe and happy reading.